Welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast, a place where I bring in rare individuals to have rare conversation. My name is Manoj, your host, and now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rare Earth Podcast where I bring in rare individuals to have rare conversations. My guest today is truly a rare individual and a world-class entrepreneur. His name is Anand Bhargava. Anand is not only a close friend but also my personal mentor of many many years. The reason I wanted Anand on this show is because he is a very independent thinker, someone who loves to defy conventions, dares to take risks and is really driven by his personal instincts. He used to work for Unilever in a senior management for the tea division. Later on he went on to start his own enterprise. He built his business to an extremely successful level. In fact, by age 33 he was financially independent and having options to retire from conventional job today he helps many others to be successful entrepreneurs in this episode you will get a glimpse of his life his adventures and his unique thinking style anand has been a huge impact on my thinking and approach to life and i'm sure this episode is going to leave you inspired and much much more so please enjoy this amazing conversation with anand bhargava So Anand, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. So you, I've known you for now, I think over fifteen years, and this was back when I was in the college that I actually first met you. So it's a little unusual to sit, uh, you know, across the table in a more formal setting to have this conversation. But but I'm really looking forward to dig deep with you. Same here. <laughs> I mean, it's been this is a new experience, isn't it? Compared to what we do, we normally sit and just laugh about somewhere doing other things. But now it's a very formal environment. It's nice. The striking thing about you is when I first met you, and this was I think two thousand five. The introduction that I had about you was, you can meet this person. He actually has retired conventionally from his job at the age thirty three. Okay, so when I met you, you were already retired, and. Uh, that was very unusual we really do not hear people uh, say a youngster like 33 years old and retired from conventional job you had a very lucrative career in unilever and then you just choose a path which is completely being an entrepreneur and choosing freedom over everything else so what drove you from a lucrative career from unilever to start something on your own and be free by 33 if i if i go throw back kind of thing back back into my career meaning i did pretty well in my career and uh, what people would have uh, taken probably a decade to do i i was able to get to that position in a maybe 3 4 years and then like i was being groomed to actually go over and take over another country okay and so i knew what was on the pipeline for me there but then eventually i got myself thinking because i met an entrepreneur who came out and i had the authority to give him the money okay for the work that he had done and i took pride in delaying the process in terms of releasing the funds to that entrepreneur and he was very patient he just sat down and he just uh, didn't even complain he sat for hours together and eventually i completed the process but on hindsight when i really thought about it i i realized and said where would i be which would be a better position for me to be either sitting here and getting my ego boost in not actually giving the money and time and delaying him and other things or would i be the one who actually picks up the cash and goes back and i have a profit in my account and then i realized that's a better position to be in than to get an ego boost and that's the day i quit my job 
meaning I did not even think twice. I just went in straight and wrote my resignation and got out. <laughs> Instantly. Instant. That was the that was the that was my calling. That's the way I would put it. And I just went out, wrote out my resignation, and uh, people thought I was crazy doing it. Meaning, and most cases, most people think you're crazy when you want to do something different, okay, true, from the true. normal. People don't uh, appreciate things unless it's within their own bandwidth, what we call. So when I quit uh, a lucrative career, most people thought that there was something wrong with this guy. When you decided to quit, did you have a game plan what you want to start or, or did you have like a business idea? What, what was in your mind then? Back then, I honestly did not have any idea. Okay. <laughs> and I had, I just knew I wanted to start a business and that was something that I wanted to give it a shot. Because if I had taken up that position with Unilever, I would have been stuck for another five years. And then I thought I would be too old. Maybe not. Okay. But, <laughs> but I personally thought I would be too old to really take a risk and jump into business and other things. And I thought that's the time I need to give it a shot. And honestly, at that time, I think the, it, this was way back in 90, uh, 91, I think, 91. And when in 91, the 91, 92, that's the time when satellite television became very popular and mm -hmm. India was coming into satellite television. I thought that's an area that I can try to get into. Though I had no knowledge, there no expertise, I just thought I'll get into that area. And uh, But unfortunately, my company delayed my release and I had to stay for another almost eight, nine months before I could actually come back. And before that, I had done a recce and I had found that uh, a certain area was uh, okay for me to start my business there. But then when I came back after nine months, I realized that area was all gone. And, and had, what was that? Uh, the area where I could actually put up my uh, satellite television, cable television network. Okay. The location okay. Okay. was occupied and uh, somebody else was already running the business there. And then everything came crumbling down. So I almost thought that, oh, this is the end. And then I started to look around for places. And then I did find a lower middle class area where I really found an area in Bangalore and then set up this center there without knowing anything. But then that's how entrepreneurs learn, isn't it? By failures don't push you down. It actually, you have to stand up and move forward. And that's what, I, I didn't do it because I read a book for that at that time. I just did it instinctively and got started there. And I think it's been a, it was a great journey. It taught me so many things. So Anand, your, your family, there is nobody who's got, a, you know, who's from a business background or uh, you were not trained to be a business person. You went through a conventional education, you went through a conventional job approach. How did you really have that mindset for a business? What really got you started with a business mindset? What influenced you that way? I'm not sure, so sure about what influenced me. If I think back, I don't think I can pick a particular thing that made a difference. But eventually, I think one striking emotion was uh, I didn't want to be controlled by other people. Mm. Probably that emotion drove me to do something. I wanted to be my own boss. I hated reporting to other people. That's probably what got me thinking towards a business. But then, like you said, my parents are doctors. Both of them have only ever in their life never thought about business at all because they worked with the government all their life and... Uh, for them, business was almost taboo. It was, they think that business people probably have to do something wrong. And they were like uh, so upright and so honest. And they thought business means you got to really bring down your values and get into another area. And so that's something did not uh, gel with them. But then my mom always has been a person who always stood by me. 
in whatever i did whether it was good or bad it didn't matter she as bad she didn't stand by me but she didn't actually correct me instantly she would actually teach me what to do uh, to change it but eventually she stood by me too and she said okay he's going to do it no problem so when you're young sometimes you take steps in any direction and sometimes you get a support it really helps i didn't have many much of savings or anything when i started this but then eventually all entrepreneurs start the same way they don't look at what they have it's about what you're going to get mm. okay uh, the drive towards earning something driving drive towards the reward is what drives entrepreneurs uh, and i think that's one predominant uh, thing missing with most people is people don't work with a reward in focus and people work uh, oh i have limitations and can i do it okay no entrepreneur succeeds if they think that way mm. and i think that one thing was there with me saying that it, it doesn't matter i'll give it a shot mm. and uh, yeah i think the emotion of not being controlled by other people is what is my i think that would be the uh, the driving force or towards getting into entrepreneurship so uh, when you started the business you really uh, started uh, you know from scratch uh, without anybody actually guiding you or you had to figure it out all yourself uh, so looking back uh, are, are there any things that you wished you knew before you started the business i guess knowledge does play a part having adequate knowledge in on the area that you work on will avoid you to have the mistakes that most people make because sometimes mistakes can be final mm. uh, a few mistakes they make and then that's the end of the road for them mm. uh, i did make a lot of mistakes okay i i paid it with in terms of money mm. or uh, which i could have saved if i had adequate knowledge in that area but eventually that's a point where people decide either to quit the business or to continue and uh, thankfully i did not quit i kept going meaning no matter what came in my way i just said you know what i'm i'm not going to let this pull me down because the drive towards the end of being an entrepreneur being on your own being doing things something on your on our own with no control with other people and that was i think predominantly higher than all the risks and failures that i was going through so i didn't give up that, mm. that that's what i think entrepreneurs need to do to succeed and your back story uh, you did mention about you had a very high sense of self and ego when you were actually in in unilever where you were signing the checks for these vendors and uh, from there to really take a role where you really have to attend to customers attend to when you started with your cable television business uh, you really had to cater to a class of people where you you had to get money from them so now there was a complete contrast of experience from signing the checks to really receiving money from people who are obliged to pay to you so how how did you really make a shift in your attitude while you were, while you had to deal with such situation that's a really good question because uh, it does hit you really hard i i still remember times uh, when i used to when i got into the cable television industry unfortunately that industry was uh, not a very reputable industry in our city in in india mm. meaning it wasn't uh, reputable most of the people in that area were local uh, not great guys kind of thing who are controlling that and uh, here i was okay a corporate driven guy coming in there entering that market and uh, trying to play uh, with the people who have uh, their boundaries are they can go to any extent to succeed mm. okay and uh, and on top of that i came from a very high paying you know lucrative job and uh, where i had everybody at my beck and call and this was a rude shock to me that i had to go and collect uh, subscriptions because i had to do everything as an entrepreneur you do everything right and uh, subscriptions as low as uh, 100 bucks if i had to pick up from somebody and uh, there there would be this housewife who comes and says come back tomorrow 
and and she lives in a shanty place and i can just buy her home out but <laughs> i have to just uh, bite my tongue and say okay it's okay i'll come back and then uh, that was a great learning for me and uh, i realized at that time that it's not that ego that really gets you to success okay the more we are on that that front i think the less we will succeed mm. and i realized you have to do everything on your own and it doesn't matter what it is whether it's the menial work or whether it's the corporate kind of a high high profile job you still have to do everything mm. as an entrepreneur when you do everything it becomes your life after that and i started to enjoy what i was doing then and then i realized okay this is something that i have to live with and uh, yeah the attitude was uh, hit in the beginning but then i eventually uh, started to understand as an entrepreneur we have to be that way mm. we have to be accepting of situations we can't be just having our own rules and say we will not do go beyond that how 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 did how did that business go did you succeed in that business did you do well or was was it a business which didn't do that great how was it for you oh that business was uh, extremely good for mm. us meaning I, i did exceptionally well in that industry eventually i came to a point where i started to take over other businesses acquiring businesses and all the, all of those things happened and we grew really big in that area mm. and uh, but eventually we we knew that we had to diversify and we had to get to different areas and like you asked me this question i think it's it, it was good the business was really good then you further diversified into the telecom industry right yes uh, i did uh, which year was this uh, anna this must have been uh, been now we are in 2020 yeah. i think i'm talking about maybe i won't know maybe somewhere around 96 i think 90 maybe 92 i started my cable television about 4 years into that business we had done exceptionally well we made a lot of in- income and profit from that and then i diversified into a high technology area into telecommunications where i started to deliver lines to people like telephone lines to mm. people data lines to people corporates basically and that was highly capital intensive industry mm. and so i migrated into that industry somewhere around 95 96 so when you say capital intensive the, the initial investments were too high or yes it is it is in that industry it's uh, extremely high mm. and not only high it also has the risk of obsolescence things change so rapidly there that if you're not prepared for it it can be uh, drastic for an uh, for an entrepreneur like you would see the telecom industry today what's happening in the telecom industry the big names are facing the heat today mm. okay mm. and just because a new entrant comes in and the new entrant comes in with better technology the others have to struggle and uh, that's exactly the industry that i was in mm. so it was good meaning uh, but i think we were in that industry when it was the cusp of the growing portion of that industry way back in 95 96 and i think it was really good at that time mm. obviously there's a there's lot to your journey after that you really diversified into other businesses and you really went on to set up your own uh, firm which really caters to health and wellness and the fmcg segment uh, and you could really retire actually you could be financially free by age 33 so we'll get into that part of the journey but i want to ask a little about your childhood you were born to a very successful couple i think uh, very well established doctors uh, both your mother and father uh, in fact uh, your your father is a very prominent name in the medical fraternity in the country how was your childhood and could you tell a little bit about your uh, you know uh, childhood days and where you were born and raised i was born in in the state of kerala oh in in a city called kottayam and unfortunately i've never seen that city after i was born <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, why did that happen is i think my parents were very open minded okay and simply because uh, they broke some barriers in their life 
primarily because my mother actually uh, is a Tamilian who had migrated to her parents migrated to Kerala and she grew up in Kerala mm. and my dad is a Kannadiga okay he grew up in Bangalore Mysore and the, that area and he studied out of Mysore both of them did their medicine and eventually they happened to meet up you can think about this uh, way back in the 1960s or something whatever uh, so in that uh, 50s i would say they met up when they were studying for their post graduation they met up there because they became students there mm. uh, they got fell in love and then they decided to get married and that was something unheard of in the 1950s and 60s people never did those kind of things and my parents broke that barrier and uh, they had to struggle a lot to actually get married first and uh, then eventually move to one one city so i was born in kerala because my mom was uh, pregnant with me mm. uh, when she was teaching there in kerala and my dad was in bangalore Mm. Eventually, my mom got her transfer and came back here, and yeah, that's my where I was born and other things. And then eventually, my first two three years was in uh, a city called Hubli. Hubli, my, okay. Uh, where my parents were working together in in the medical college there. And uh, when you said I was born to very successful doctors at that time, I don't think my dad and mom were successful at that time mm. when I was born. <laughs> they eventually became successful that's a different story yeah uh, for the for the benefit of the listeners could you just introduce your parents names my dad is dr krishna bargava and he happens uh, to be one of the pioneers in the field of oncology and uh, for the work that he has done in oncology and the development of oncology and its treatment in in our state he was eventually awarded the padma shri wow. wow and that's one of the civilian honors in india and i think it's one of the highest civilian honors absolutely think, yeah. in india My mom again her name is uh, Dr Saraswati Bargava she happens to be specialized in microbiology and she went through more a teaching kind of a career mm. through what we call as a Bangalore Medical College here and then eventually ended up as the director of medical education and that's when she retired from there mm. so in our family if you look at it my dad was a workaholic okay i've never seen him take a day off that's some lesson that you learn okay i never seen him take a day off and the family was brought up by my mother mm. my mother has been the the fulcrum around which the whole family revolved because uh, she was a strong woman in the entire setup mm. yeah that's about my parents yeah so uh, you grew up in bangalore pretty much then after uh, those initial years in hubli and kerala then, yeah okay meaning uh, right from my what i would say maybe when i was my third standard or third grade what you say from then onwards i've been here you your sister is also a very prominent doctor and your parents are doctor how come you did not choose this line of work how come you chose to become a mechanical engineer why did you not pursue the medical fraternity in fact my i have two sisters and my elder sister is a doctor like you mentioned and my younger sister and me both of us used to watch my elder sister study medicine and not I meaning for me it was this the moment i saw her books the volume of uh, material that she had to read i decided this is not something that i'm <laughs> going to do so i just it, it helped you made a instant even. decision it was instant <laughs> and i said i'm not going to do this and way, way back then there was no other choice it would be either medicine or engineering mm. and mm. so i thought choose engineering and that's how i got into engineering not because i decided to be an engineer it was because, just, because you didn't want that other option that's it <laughs> you that there is this movie called munna by mbbs yes okay and that's one movie which you really very well related to it what aspect of that movie you really connected so well with 
I think uh, connected with the rebel kind of a thing that I had and I was a rebel. Mm. Right through my college I was exactly like the character Munobai who used to really stand up to all his uh, teachers and say in his case it was like a goon doing it mm. uh, but in my case it was not a goon <laughs> but nevertheless I would I had no fear in speaking out to my teachers or anything and tell them anything I wanted meaning uh, I was like that and i don't know how, where i where i got the courage if i if somebody were to ask me today to do the same thing i would think a hundred <laughs> times to do it but eventually that's how that movie is like more that character was me in my college days and and i used to have other people like that other guy circuit who follows munabai around and uh, i had other people who followed me around in the same vein and they were just around uh, that following me up and doing things and encouraging me to continue with this <laughs> and yeah it, i had some good times during college so can you just uh, tell us a little about your college days like what i was told that you you were very active outside of the classroom as compared to being in the classroom very much in in my pre university days meaning i was outside the classroom because i was asked to be outside the classroom <laughs> it was not that i chose to be outside i was asked to go outside and why is that at the moment the teacher walked in or the and i used to stand up and i was to sit right on the front seat and they used to be irritated by looking at me and they used to uh, because i don't know why i intimidated them and because i was intimidating they would tell me okay anand i think you should go uh, <laughs> that's the first thing they tell me in the class and then i would stand up and say why would i need to go i will not go out there's no reason for me to go out and then eventually i would say mark my attendance to this class and then i'll walk out <laughs> so then they used to mark it and then i used to walk out and go and i didn't know what to do so i used to go to the games room there and play carrom the game called carrom i used to play that carrom i started to learn there and then I became eventually very good at it but in my engineering days mm. okay it was not the other way around like i chose to stay outside my class mm. it was not uh, i was asked to go outside i decided not to go <laughs> so i think my barring my first 6 months in college most of the time i was doing other things in college i was well known in college but uh, i never was in the class but i did exceptionally well in college there was no problem with my so studies. academically you did well in in your, uh, by the time you finished your engineering you did academically but yes i did very well okay what was your there's a very interesting story about you going for the interview for uh, unilever okay with your friend uh, yeah okay, that's so, very very uh, so could you uni- share that story yeah and <laughs> could you tell me from the time uh, when you received that interview call from there on like how did you really well i think what we say as dreams okay dreams are very powerful the reason is i always wanted to work somehow i was enamored by uh, this place called uti a mm-hmm. hill station in in india in southern india it's a, a phenomenal place i somehow fell in love with that city uh, love with that hill station i would say not it's not as big city mm. and i wanted always wanted to go out and do something there okay and so i was looking for opportunities there so my parents didn't know anything about it i was already working uh, in bangalore and i eventually found an advertisement for a job mm. and it was marked as a place called kunur which is just next to uti so that was the place and then i immediately it rang a bell and said okay fine here's uti coming calling now so i applied for that job and once i got i was shortlisted mm. and then i got the call for the interview the interview happened to be in a place called valparai which is again in uti not really even i where it was i've never heard of that place and then uh, i thought maybe it's like a, a suburb of uti or maybe somewhere around in and around uti so what i did was i went and picked up a map of uti and i started to search for this valparai and lo behold i couldn't find it 
meaning there was nothing called valpara in that area then eventually a friend of mine came and said who knew a little bit about southern india and its geography uh, he said no it's not there it's in another area completely okay. and that's when i realized this is not uti <laughs> and so i i was called for my interview to come there so i had a motorcycle then and i called a friend of mine and uh, i said i'm going for this interview why don't you join and uh, he agreed and uh, got on he didn't know what he was getting into <laughs> but eventually i think it was uh, we rode all the way to that place how many kilometers was this ride meaning uh, i'm not too sure about the kilometers but i do know it's it's it, quite a uh, it took it took you how long to reach there on the bike from here we drive to coimbatore and uh, that that's like a highway mm. so we just reached coimbatore very early i think i left early morning afternoon i was in coimbatore and then we had lunch and we we just then we it was just 100 kilometers away from coimbatore mm-hmm. and i thought 100 kilometers i can do it in an hour or maybe an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes little did i realize valpara is up in the hill and when you go up uh, 40 happen bends to reach there you're going to go through uh, you know dense fog you're not really be able to see anything i had no idea so we wasted our time all the way till evening mm. and then uh, sightseeing in you know coimbatore <laughs> and everything and then eventually started up but then realized that as we started our climb we realized wow this is something new but eventually i managed to get to valparai uh, town and i still remember I, uh, they the company had organized accommodation for us and i had to contact they had given me a contact number and but it was already night <laughs> so i just dialed that number somehow i couldn't get through with to that line meaning uh, lines were pretty bad those days telecom was really bad maybe the birth of telecom came in at that time <laughs> uh, the, the idea the idea might have come then but i tried uh, my best to get through to them i couldn't get through but eventually we managed to hold up in uh, a government guest house which we, we found a caretaker there and we paid him some money stayed overnight there in in spite of g- giving up and they probably thought i had not come for the interview and then i was thinking who would come to this god for second place for an interview who would come meaning like it was really out of my thinking to even imagine that people would come for an interview in this god for second place right it's so isolated and like completely mm. so next day morning i was, was the interview and interview or whatever you call it okay so when i rode to that place i took my friend along with me and i we went there and then i was shocked to see close to about 50 people there wow <laughs> yeah i wondered from where did these guys show up i mean uh, i was really shocked because i didn't expect that and then i thought okay fine i'll have my say and then i'll walk out or whatever but that didn't turn out that way so what happened was they just gave us a question and answer sheet uh, like a, on engineering and i was asked to sit and answer this question and i thought about it okay it's been uh, a couple of years since i've actually finished my engineering i like you already heard now i never stood in inside the engineering <laughs> class i don't know how i passed my engineering but it was pretty simple but i could not answer questions so even trying to attempt it i wrote on the top of the thing saying that i will not answer this okay you need to pay me my money to go back home okay so that's it okay pay me my money and i'm out of here like you were so pissed off that you really wrote that on the very interview question paper yes i wrote that on the paper <laughs> and uh, then i gave it to the guy who eventually became my uh, assistant ah uh, the assi- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i gave it to the guy and said give it to your boss uh, and the boss was the uh, the top engineer there the top guy there and he was uh, 
I thought this is it, but they had promised me that they will pay me my money to go back home. <laughs> so my expenses. So I said, give me my expenses and I'm out of here. So uh, he went out and gave it to this boss and then he comes out and says, I think you need to wait because uh, everybody has to finish. I said, why? I'm, I'm not answering the question. Give me the money and I'm out of here. So he said, no, but this is what he told us. So I uh, waited till everybody finished. And then eventually I was called in to meet this guy. And so that gentleman was uh, what we call as uh, typically in the personality language, somebody called a phlegmatic. What, what do you mean by phlegmatic? Uh, a phlegmatic is, in, in lighter terms, is somebody who needs to be pushed to do the things. They're very uh, stubborn. They're very uh, non-controversial. They don't want to fight. They don't want, they don't take controversy. They don't take you know, conflicts. conflicts and other things are out of their domain. So they are very peaceful. Mm. And I was complete opposite of that guy. Like I was in rage at that time when I walked in because I was wasting my time and I had to get back. I knew this getting down this hill would be tough. So I was, I was really like waiting to go as quickly as possible. He called me in there and he asked me as to why did I write that on the paper? Mm. He said, why did you write? You will not answer this. And what is this? How could you do that? I said, do you want somebody who can study all this and remember it and put it on paper? Or do you want somebody who wants to produce results? Okay. <laughs> if, you're, if you want somebody who wants to get results for you, talk to me. Otherwise, pay me my money. I'm out of here. This was your very first interaction with, with the most senior person in the room that day. He was the senior most guy and that was, that was my first interaction <laughs> with him. And that was my first sentence to him. And he had a shock. And like I said, being a phlegmatic, he, he didn't know how to handle it. So he held back and he said, please wait. I said, I'm not going to wait. Give me my money. I'm out of it. So he said, just, just hang on for a few minutes and then I, I'll, I'll organize things. So I thought, okay, maybe he's going to organize the money. So I walked out and then I sat down. That's it. There was no other interaction with me. And lo and behold, after a few minutes, after he went through other things, three of us were shortlisted. And I was one among them. <laughs> Meaning the guy who didn't answer questions, uh, who argued with the, the boss, I was one among them. And then the next step was to meet all the, the executives of the company over lunch. And we were supposed to interact and everything. And uh, the other two who were along with me, they were scared. They were they would call everybody, sir, and those kind of things. I was calling everybody by name. I, I didn't even care because I, I knew that I was not going to get this job. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a lunch outing with them. And then somehow I don't understand what happened. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really curious, Anand. What do you think really made them select you? Because you were really no, not going by the books. You really gave a completely revolting answer. You pretty much challenged the whole system. So why do you think they really chose you? I think in, when I worked in Unilever, I really understood the concept uh, that in Unilever, they have a, a philosophy that, you know, where you can challenge things and still be accepted. Mm. Okay, so maybe under the glove, that philosophy existed and they liked my attitude for that. I Meaning... My answer to answering the question was also one, the one thing which I had said at that time was, see, I can find answers to mm. this. Okay, I need to know how to find answers. I don't need to remember the answers. Okay, so probably they liked my attitude. And at the end of the lunch outing, out of the three, I was the one who was chosen. Mm. And they said, we are very happy with you here. <laughs> so I said, okay, fine. So what next? And that's when they said, you need to meet our president and a vice president. We need to meet them. And I said, where are they? 
meaning uh, where is the state and then comes the beautiful word kunur <laughs> and then i thought wow here's uh, here's what i'm getting to kunur that's where i wanted to go and i had originally planned that since i'm going to valparaiso on the way back i'll hang out at a small little place somewhere in uti or somewhere and at that time i was not financially well off or anything it's mm. just i couldn't even afford a, a just a basic property i would have been able to afford uh, so uh, me and my friend would hang out there and maybe have some sightseeing and then do that but guess what happened uh, they said you need to meet your president and uh, they asked me when do you want to leave i said right now <laughs> so they said we'll organize your accommodation there and so i i just they paid me my money there i took my money and i got onto my bike and both of us took off from there and then we rode all the way to kunur and when i reached uti uh, they had already given me uh, not this was not in kunur it was in uti the place where i was put up mm. so uh, they had booked a five star hotel for me wow <laughs> and that's the first time i ever stayed in a five star hotel i'd never stayed in a five star hotel before that so uh, me and my friend were shocked and we thought okay fine let's enjoy our life here and anyway i'm not going to get the job so the next day was the interview so you're saying uh, your selection process happened after the accommodation the, the next day ah okay okay the, the the story you just mentioned that happened the next day after the accommodation No. Hmm. the accommodation this was my meeting with the vice president yeah, but, and the president but you were already selected right so what do you mean by you will not get the job no the final call lies with the president ah okay so you are sure that is not going to happen yeah so <laughs> i knew that it's not going to happen i said enjoy my time here <laughs> and i really didn't think i would make it okay okay uh, because i had no idea about this philosophy and other things i just thought okay fine i don't understand why these guys want to uh, because i had no idea whether the other person was also selected maybe they wanted to send three four people i had no idea i realized only later that i was the only one mm-hmm. okay i thought maybe there will be many more who will go there yeah yeah so fast forwarding from there you really you know went on to head one of the largest divisions of the you were in the tea business right, That's uh, right. you were you were handling the tea That's division right. and uh, you spent many years in uti with all the five star amenities and everything but you you were living a very isolated life how was those years like how were those years for you the first 6 months is obviously a drastic change and in fact my mom had predicted that you know what in 6 months time you will actually quit and okay. i did quit you did okay uh, i did quit means i didn't quit i i gave in my resignation in under 6 months uh, and what what triggered what happened after 6 months like that you said you had enough like what happened because my mom knew that i was a, a person who would hang around with friends and other things and uh, there i was completely alone mm. and uh, the unique thing in the tea industry is uh, most people get married very early mm. anybody who's working as uh, a senior management there would be married and i was the only bachelor there was nobody who was unmarried there as a single and everybody else was uh, married so i had my own limited uh, kind of bandwidth on which i can Uh, you know uh, socialize and do and plus we had lots of restrictions in the way we socialize there yeah loneliness hits you there then eventually uh, in under 6 months i did resign like exactly like my mom predicted <laughs> i did that but eventually i my managing director was an exceptional guy he was an englishman and he really knew how to uh, handhold and groom me correctly so he convinced me to stay back and then eventually that was a 7 and a half year journey after that Why would you call him a exceptional man? What attributes of him really, you know, makes him exceptional? I need to go back to my interview again, I think, though it's a little bit hitting. When I went to meet my vice president and president in Kunur, 
I remember I was given the time at 10 a.m. in the morning, mm-hmm. and I go with this friend of mine, and we reach there, and I talk to the receptionist. I'm there at 9:45 a.m. I I want to keep time. Mm. I'm always uh, somebody who keeps time. So I went there at 9:45 a.m. and 9:45 I was ready for the interview uh, to meet with this. 10 a.m. was my time, and come 10, the guy doesn't show up. Mm. The the vice president doesn't show up. I waited for another 10 minutes. He doesn't show up. So I got really annoyed. So I went to the secretary there, and this friend of mine is pulling me and saying, "Hey, you're come for the interview, so just be patient. Right. Don't get annoyed and uh, don't get angry. Let's wait. Let's be patient." But then I said, "No, forget it." So I went to the secretary and I told her, "Look here, I got other things to do. If your guy can't keep up his time, tell him I had something else uh, on. I'm going out, finishing that, and coming. Let him wait for me." <laughs> uh, so, on the hindsight, I knew that I'm not going to get this job. Anand, how old were you then? I was. I don't remember. Like, when do you finish engineering in the? In a, I think you must be in your early twenties. Yes. Early twenties. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So guess what we did? I didn't have any appointment. I didn't have anything. I took my friend and said, "Come, let's go sightseeing." <laughs> <laughs> so your, your important activity that you had to catch yeah, up on. So okay. I went and saw some places around Kunur. Came back after another hour later, and then I this guy was already there by mm. then, and he was fuming. So, uh, like, uh, when I walked in, the first thing he said is, "Meaning, you could not wait." Meaning, what is it? I said, "If you can't," uh, I told the guy straightforward. I said, "If you can't keep your time, don't expect others to wait for you." Wow. <laughs> so he didn't know uh, what to say, and then eventually he just clamped up because this was something unexpected for him. And mm. then he said, "You need to meet. Uh, it's better you go and meet the president, okay, and uh, CEO of our company." So when I walked into the CEO, I was really angry at that time, mm. meaning because of all these things. And when I walked in, I thought this guy would be just the same, and this was the Englishman. And when I walked in, this guy walked out from his big mahogany table, huge table. He walks out and, "Hey, Anand, come in. Let's have a cup of tea. Can I make you a cup of tea?" And I was I was shocked at that approach. Okay, so he made me sit down, and then he said, "How do you like your tea?" Meaning I was never a tea drinker anyway. <laughs> so. I said any which way that you want to make it. So he made tea for me. He brewed it himself, and then he brought and came and sat next to me. Okay, and then didn't speak to me about the about the interview. Nothing. Mm. He just started to have a chat about me, and I think it was a great experience. Uh, so he knew how, he knew the position that I was in. Mm. He knew that I was angry, and he could defuse that situation overnight. His people skills were exceptional. that's interesting yeah and as you grow higher up in the ladder people skills is what really matters uh, because you deal with people and emotions mm-hmm. and he was exceptional in that area mm-hmm. and uh, i i grew to build a very great relationship with that gentleman and uh, meaning i always uh, uh, loved him for the way he actually handled us it was an exceptional journey after that working with him i think there are so, so many interesting takeaways like the fact that one is you have been very unconventional from the beginning and the people with the right mindset who can recognize that identify that they really uh, you know connected with you and they helped you groom in your career in the early stages and even this person his leadership style really uh, is rare i think people uh, in in today's day and age we we see a lot of quick management approaches and people losing their cool and really not knowing how to diffuse a tense moment like that so that was really interesting to hear Yeah, sometimes, like you said, okay, uh, if the management style is wrong, you may lose out. Good talent are sometimes hard to come by, and good talent sometimes don't listen to you. <laughs> They're willing to challenge you, and when people challenge you, are you going to take it as a 
hit on your ego mm. and your thought process or you willing to accept that and uh, willing to go out of the domain and just say okay fine here it is let me be accepting of that situation most people are not mm-hmm. unfortunately most of the people in management are like that they they think that any kind of confrontation is against them mm. instead of being open minded and i think he, i learned a lot from this my ceo there uh, about how to deal with people mm. because i was very aggressive that's the way i would put it mm. aggressive in my management style and everything <laughs> but eventually he taught me so many things about moderation accepting and i think uh, i have become open minded mm. or what we say like i accept today anything mm-hmm. i think some of these uh, inputs that have been happening in earlier in my life has helped me develop that personality that i accept anything today uh, i don't think anything is out of the norm today um, you been one of the few people in my life who actually has been super influential and you when i met you first time you really ask certain questions which makes me uncomfortable which makes me question the conventional your approach if i look back you, you've always been very radical or very bold and you've done a lot of things very unconventional unconventional for the fact that when we speak out how you got married or how you really took your son out from a conventional school at when he was just maybe in in, in grade 5 and you know completely homeschooled him these are not normal decisions and these are uh, like at least from the perspective of uh, the general world we would say important decisions big decisions so could you share with the audience about your the way you got married i i, I think it you actually got your girl, then girlfriend who's your current wife Santa and got uh, married in the very house that we are actually recording this. Yes, I did that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, meaning I still remember Santa if I talk about Santa. How did I meet Santa? Santa's brother used to be a friend of mine. And when I when you go back and understand that I was in the cable television mm. industry, Santa was already in the cable television industry. Oh, she was already uh, doing that business. She was a business woman there and she was doing pretty well. And I had absolutely no knowledge in that industry. My first learning came about the industry came through Vasanta. Ah, okay. Uh, so I pinged to my friend and I said you guys are in the same industry can I get some knowledge in that industry as to where I buy things how do I run the business what do I need to do. So I had absolutely no idea. So I lent on my friend and he obviously introduced me to Vasanta and Vasanta was the one running the business not my friend. Mm. And I learned about cable television through her. Okay, and then eventually we got to know each other very well and eventually when we decided to get married. So like I proposed to her and I said let's get married and then she took some time to decide. <laughs> uh, you know. This was after how many months of doing the cable television business? This was probably about 92 maybe around less than a year maybe. Okay. Less than a year or maybe a year. okay and then so i i just proposed to her one day out of the blue and i told her that i get married to you uh, what aspects of vasanta really caught you interested in her she is vasanta is quite exceptional in certain areas if you think about I meaning i was completely a not an organized guy i was a guy who would do things instantly like out of instinct and she would be very organized she would be uh, very methodical in what she did and no abrupt decisions taking everything calculated and the right way whereas in my case i could make a lot of mistakes just by jumping the gun and going and doing it but sometimes the rewards are higher in this area too right right so you know, and plus she was a complete opposite of me okay and opposite attract and i realized that there are so many areas of my life that are not 
going to be uh, complete if I didn't have somebody who would complete it. Mm. And, and that was what Vasantha was. She was completing every area of my life. Mm. And probably I completed some areas of her life because women are always better off than men <laughs> in all areas. And that's how uh, it was. And so out of the blue, I proposed to her. Out of the blue, complete. She didn't expect it and I proposed. Mm. And then she took a couple of days to think about it. And eventually she agreed. And when she agreed, we had to get married. So I was very sure that we are not going to have this conventional wedding and other things. And, and why was that? Meaning somehow I, that doesn't relate to me at all. Mm. Meaning uh, calling thousands of people and stand there. I, I should not use the words. Okay. Uh, but eventually I just stand like a puppet there and then people come there and then they click their photos and go. And why would they do that? Most people don't even under, understand why they're coming there. They're just coming because they would think that, oh, they would feel bad if I didn't come. Mm. And they come and stand there. Sometimes they don't even know the bride or the groom and they right. just stand there and take a photo and go away. I, mean, I somehow could never relate to that. I came back uh, home and I told, uh, before uh, we got married, I said, uh, I told my parents that uh, be free in the evening today, bring in the girl that I'm getting married to. <laughs> how, how did that conversation go? Like I said, my parents were very open-minded. They only asked me, are you sure? Um, I said, yes, absolutely. Then I brought Vasanta home in the evening and uh, my dad and mom were there and uh, my youngest sister was there too. Mm -hmm. And my eldest sister already was out in, she was doing a post-graduation. She was not in uh, in our city. So we, when I introduced Vasanta, I thought my parents would grill her or whatever uh, and ask her questions or whatever. My parents, of course, would not do that. But my mom asked her a question. Are you sure you want to marry this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was shocked. I said, whose side are you on? On my side or her side? <laughs> then Vasanta said, obviously, yeah, I want to get married. And then my parents were okay with it. Meaning there was no issue with that. Mm. And then I told my mother that I want to get, when I get married, I'm going to do something simple. It so happened my elder sister's marriage was also around the same time in 93 December. And so my elder sister came to know that I'm going to get married to her. And then she said she was due to go away to the United Kingdom. And she told me that she wanted me to get married such a way that she could see because she didn't want to miss my wedding. So then I told her that I'll get married, registered marriage. And I walked to the registrar and they told me that you need 30 days time before you can actually get married. You have to put up a notice and whatnot. So that was out of the out of the. Then I came to my mom and said, what do I do? She said, you won't like this, but there is a guy, a priest that I know who would be helpful in getting it done. If you want to talk to him, you talk to him. I said, so would he come and do our marriage? He said, yeah, sure, he'll do it. I said, we'll do it in our house. So my mom said, okay, if that's what you want, it's okay, let's do it. That's amazing. Your mom being open to this very idea. And this was like way back. We still do not hear families open to the idea of marrying so simply. So it's really interesting to see that side of your mom. In the current COVID situation, like <laughs> under 50 now, <laughs> and way back in 1993, when I got married, yeah. we had less than 100 people in our wedding. And that too, it's only friends, right. nobody else. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't call the jing bang and the relatives and other things. We just left them alone to their peace and we got married. <laughs> so I called this wedding guy, uh, sorry, the, the priest, and he came and he performed our wedding, the rituals or whatever you call it. And I wanted it everything quick. So within an hour, everything was done. <laughs> so the rituals were completed and then I got married. And yeah, it was funny. Then everybody left and Vasanta stayed at home. That's it. <laughs> that was our wedding. It's very interesting, Anand. I think I still cannot digest the process that it was so differently done then and your parents obviously were very open to 
embracing change of, of all sorts and they really wanted to re- get a reassurance from Vasantha whether they want she wants to marry you yes so, they did and now you you guys have been married for over now 25 26 years yes wow quite a journey and uh, th- there are a lot of aspects of uh, your life really uh, i can dig deeper but i think that will be a very long con uh, conversation for us uh, i want to speak about ashwin your only son and uh, who was actually going to a school yep. uh, till till the grade 5th if i'm grade right four. grade 4 grade 4 okay and then uh, suddenly you d- you make up this decision to take him off to school and completely homeschool or like no schooling and he went on to become a professional sports person and today he's like a an adult himself doing affair for himself as an entrepreneur could you tell a little about that decision of taking him off to school what made you decide that it started i think in grade 4 i don't understand what happened to ashwin and every time we used to come back home we used to be as business people we go out and build up business mm. so by the time we come back home he would be dozing in front of the television maybe television would be on and i would see only cartoons playing there he wouldn't have switched it off and then somewhere around mid of his fourth grade i suddenly noticed that every time we come back there's a cricket match playing mm. on the television and he's slept in front of the television and then one day he walks up to me and he says i want to learn how to play cricket i said okay sure let's do it so then i started to scout for places where we we started to look around for places where he can actually try go for a cricket coaching camp and lo behold a friend of ours walks in at that particular moment and he says he knows a place and then we say we go there right now so i took ashwin and we went there and we i enrolled him straight on into that setup there and then after school was over he would come back by around 3 3:30 in the afternoon and then i would be waiting in the car outside and he would jump from the bus directly into the car and then i used to take him to the uh, camp and then he would play his uh, practice his game and then he would i would get him back and then one day he comes up to me and he says the people who are really you know wanting to learn come in the morning too hmm. okay i said between 6 to 8 o'clock in the morning and that's when 6 o'clock 7 uh, o'clock he leaves for school and he comes back only by 3 in the afternoon then i asked him a question he is so young but still i asked him this question are you serious about doing it mm. he said yes i am and i said okay if that's the case i'll take you out of school give it a year okay if you like it and you love it continue doing it if you don't go back after all it's a year and the last thing on your mind should be that you wanted to do something but somebody or something stopped you from doing it mm. and we didn't want to be that something or somebody mm. who stopped him from achieving what he wanted to do so that was the decision point and then uh, after that uh, i walked to the school took him out of school and uh, brought him home put him there and obviously people think that uh, we are doing something which is again crazy and i think sometimes crazy things work mm-hmm. okay not sometimes i think most people <laughs> uh, i always like this sentence okay, only the paranoid survive yeah. okay and only the paranoid survive and uh, when i say paranoid it's not in the negative connotation it right. should be taken in the positive connotation of paranoid mm-hmm. and i think unless sometimes you're willing to take uh, the risk and do certain things risk and reward is related to each other mm. okay the higher the risk the greater the reward you take greater financial risk the greater the financial reward that you can expect did, 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 how did that conversation with the teachers in the school go when you had to actually oh, take very a- interesting very interesting <laughs> in fact when i went to the school the school was still a sort of a budding kind of a school it was doing well and what not and there were competing schools which were also 
coming around the place mm. uh, around it so when i walked in and asked the the principal saying that i want to take my son out of school the first thought that probably came in their mind is i'm going to take him from this school and put him in another school so they would lose a child they would lose their revenue so then eventually uh, the principal again there is a, a person who would not have any conflicts his uh, wife is the one who typically tends to talk to people so his wife came over and she started to talk to me and trying to convince me not to take ashwin out of school mm. because in her mind she thought she's losing a child to another school mm. and uh, that's when i uh, told her only one thing i said ma'am if if i try to explain what i'm going to do you're not going to be able to understand what i'm going to do neither am i going to be able to understand what you are trying to tell me to do so why waste time doing it <laughs> okay so i just told her that be assured that i'm not taking him to another school and that shocked her <laughs> she said I meaning come on how can what about schooling what about this i said don't worry about it because if i try to explain you will not understand right i'm not asking for a transfer certificate i'm not asking for anything i'm, I'm just telling you that he's not going to show up for the next fifth grade <laughs> okay <laughs> that left her thinking but i walked out that day with ashwin and i i mean when i look back and think on that day i think ashwin would have learned a lot by uh, his parents standing up for him mm mm-hmm. okay and these are things that sometimes as parenting we can read lots of parenting books but if you don't stand up for your child mm. no matter what parenting book you re- read it doesn't work eventually right. you can have all the greatest skills but if you don't stand up for your child when the child needs for you to be at their back things don't work i think what's unique about the way you think anand is you have always taken big risk and even though sometimes it is not very clear what the outcome would be you just know that going in this particular path will not fetch the results or the greatness that we desire so you are very clear about what you do not want and you are willing to take that chance on life how is that what makes you think that way if you talk about it's more important to choose the direction of life hmm if your direction is right even if you're slow in that direction you're still moving in the right direction mm. and uh, in my case if i really realize that i'm not moving in the right direction mm. uh, now the direction comes simply because uh, you have your end picture which is clear if you don't have your end picture which is clear then what happens is most people are clueless about which direction they need to make a choice it's like your jigsaw puzzle mm. okay if you don't have the end picture how are you going to assemble the jigsaw puzzle if it's a large 1000 piece jigsaw puzzle you can't put it together simply because you don't know what the end picture should look like and that's what most people live their lives with meaning we were very clear that you know what in our life we need to be financially secure mm. okay what is financially secure uh, you make more money than you spend mm. okay at any point in time and we do make a lot more money than what we spend okay what we can expect to spend mm. okay so that's number one the second step is we have to work towards that direction second thing is uh, we want to ensure that we have enough time to do the things that we love to do not just spend all our life working uh, because uh, a majority of our pe- people in the world live their life working right through their entire life and by the time they realize that uh, they have to do something more in their life they don't have time left with them mm. or the energy left with them they are already too old to do things that they want to do uh, so we were clear that we wanted to get that so we started to look for areas and directions that would lead us in that in, in that path to give us financial security financial independence and time along with it so if your end picture is clear i think it's going to be easier for us to make that choice mm. and we have always tried to get our end picture right in most cases we are not 100% nobody gets it 100% but we are getting there in a way and i think it's been a rewarding experience for in that context 
you later on started your own business where you worked with a lot of people in grooming them to set up their own businesses yeah. and uh, you have worked with thousands of people actually in real time over the years you know where i have seen you work with a lot of people with a very unique leadership style typically if you see that there's a lot of coaching going on out there's a lot of teaching going on out there uh, but in your style of leadership what i've seen is you have actually empowered people by helping them make their own decisions you i have never seen you babysit somebody or teaching them the ways to do something you've always shown trust you've always shown faith in them and tell that you can do it okay so yeah. h- how is that leadership style different from somebody who actually tries coaching somebody and how are the results of that see uh, if you want to have a large organization okay you need to build people who are better than you around you mm. work with people who are better than you now just because somebody is working with you does not mean that they don't have better capabilities than us mm. but in most management styles people look at people and say i need to teach him how to actually do this and that principle comes with a concept that i know more than you mm. and i'm better than you okay but that's not really the case in most cases probably the person who actually is coming probably maybe 100 times better than us but just because we don't let him bloom in that area so we cap him and i've never believed that there are people always we are better than people we are we are not that so mm. i always believe in empowering people letting them make their own mistakes if they want to make okay and mistakes and failures teach people how to move forward as long as they don't stay down that's always been my way of dealing with people i i i don't like to babysit people <laughs> because babysitters are not going to be successful in life okay people who need to be babysat mm. okay they are definitely not going to be successful because decision making abilities come down okay so they always look at somebody else in a indian parenting style if you think about it okay in indian parenting if you think about indian uh, society what happens in most cases is every decision for the child even up to marriage is done by the parents true okay true so when even though the guy is an adult okay he still can't make a decision about whom he needs to marry where and nothing most of his decisions in his life he has to buy a house he still has to ask his parents <laughs> he has to buy a car he has to ask other people everybody everything has to be asked and because subconsciously we are not letting people make their own decisions mm. so i personally don't believe that style of uh, leadership I, i always believe that people need to make their own decisions people need to make their own people need to have failures mm. and when they fail their perspective changes then we offer advice mm. okay we can always offer, offer advice and show the direction and when you show direction people when they pick up the direction they all automatically start to learn mm. and then you build leaders around you and that gives you freedom in the, in the end mm. if you build entrepreneurs uh, who are independent of you it gives you freedom at the end of the day according to you what what really influences people who are better than you now you, you mentioned that in your organization there are a lot of individuals who are high ranking corporate people with different business background but they still look up to you and they really follow you what do you think is the factor which influences people who are better than you i think number one okay you need to be successful okay yeah. if you are not successful how can you get successful people to follow you mm. okay you need to lead from the front you need to set the path okay and uh, thereby creating a vacuum for them to fill up 
Okay, so if you're just hanging around there and trying to tell people you can succeed and you can succeed and they look at you and then you're not done anything big in your life, chances are that people will lose faith in you and trust in you. Hmm. Uh, but if you have achieved success, you have, you have shown the path and then you say, look, you can do it and you can come where we have come to. Meaning for sure, people will rise up to that. But the unfortunate thing is most people in uh, corporate world and everywhere is people who are just stuck because they have probably been in the organization for some time. Maybe they have. I'm not saying that everybody is bad, but the key is this. Many of them get stuck in a position and thereafter, you know what, people under them cannot even actually grow beyond because they stifle them. Mm. Uh, just because they are not moving ahead. Mm. They have achieved a pinnacle or whatever plateau from their career. So here again, uh, we are not achieved any kind of a plateau. We are still growing. Okay, We have not achieved success. Success is a journey. So we keep growing. And as you keep growing and creating new business and starting to create new, capture new grounds, people watch it and they want to do the same mm. because you give the expectation that it can be done. You mentioned I'm retired. Okay. Retired and not in the retired word of what people understand. Yeah. Retired from the mediocrity of life, doing things what other people want you to do. Mm. Okay. The choices lie with us. Financially, we are retired. Okay. We are financially secure. We don't have to worry about finances ever again. Mm. Okay, those kind of things we are retired with. But when it comes to uh, passion and working, we are not retired. Mm. We are very much active in the equation. Mm. So w what is something people seem to misunderstand about you? I think that's another a very interesting question. I think uh, for most people, my first impression to them would be, I come across as quite a powerful person for them. There is an aura around that initially, okay? But then they feel that, okay, maybe I can't get to get connected with him kind of thing. I have that initial difficulty in connecting with people who are budding in their careers, okay? Though I can relate on a personal level, but business-wise, people do think that sometimes this is an unachievable kind of a target kind of a thing that they're looking at. Mm. And then eventually when they get to know me, then they start to connect better. Mm. So my, if I could get good at that area, like where I can build that uh, rapport with somebody who's budding, young, who can connect with us and be, be, uh, believe that they can be like us, just because we are as human as them. Mm. Okay. Sometimes that, that aura, I think, is a little bit bad in my area. So the, that extreme level of success could be a put off for somebody who is just starting off or... They can misunderstand that is what you say. They saying. can misunderstand that and uh, they think that, can I be like that person? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it becomes difficult for people mm. to believe that they can do that. Even though we tell them, there's a different non-verbal communication that goes across. Right. And I want to get good at that area where they understand that. Uh, but as they get to know me, it becomes easier. Right. Uh, but that initial first look is a little bit uh, daunting for people. Okay. If, if there was a 21-year-old just graduating out uh, from college, what advice would you give him in, the, in this day and age? As a 21-year-old graduating, number one, get to know about finances. Hmm. When I graduated out of engineering college, I had no idea about money. Okay? The world revolves around money. Okay? Eventually, whatever you're doing, you're working towards getting money. Unfortunately, we are financially illiterate when we come out. Mm. Okay, we may be literate in a certain area. I was a mechanical engineering, literate in mechanical Not that I knew so much about mechanical engineering. Meaning the things that we study and come out, I think today are obsolete <laughs> by the time we come out. 
Okay, and especially in today's age with the new technologies coming, technologies change within a six-month window. Mm. And we have our curriculum, which is done generations back, and then we get through with it. And people come. But unfortunately, if you want to be an entrepreneur, okay, which I think everybody should, everybody has the capability to be an entrepreneur. It's just that circumstances and fear stops them from getting it. You need to get knowledge on finances first, mm. okay, because you may make a lot of money career but most people without financial literacy end up having nothing that's why you see a lot of people earning a lot of money like a big rewards they get a crore of rupees in their hand at the end of it when you look back at them they have nothing it's simply because they are not financially literate so i was financially illiterate initially when i started my career i made a lot of money but that money got me nowhere mm. okay so i didn't understand financial literacy and then eventually when i understood it so i would say no matter what career you come from as a youngster get financial literacy first mm. okay it takes very little to understand it uh, but get connected with somebody okay who can actually mentor you in that area okay that would be number one it may not be your parents it may be somebody else but find somebody who can guide you in that area uh, what qualifies somebody as a good mentor how, how do you recognize somebody is worth following or whose advice one should listen to i think if i talk to somebody and voice something and mm. they're judgmental about me i think he is not a right mentor mm. okay a right mentor is somebody who listens to you accepts what you say okay and is not judgmental about it mm. because there's a difference when it's judgmental they are not going to give you the right answer in the later latter part of your interaction with them at mm. some point in time because they have already drawn a line and put you into a bracket mm. so you need to find somebody who is not going to be judgmental about you okay no matter where you come from what background you have what situation you are in what thought process you have you should be able to voice it and the person should maybe they have an opinion that's a different story mm. uh, you know we should not mistake an opinion with judgmental right. judgmental is where it's final i have already decided this person is like this and i'm going to only say that yeah uh, so if they are not judgmental i think they are they are a good choice and and when you speak about uh, financial rit- literacy what are some good resources apart from trying to connect with a, a, a potential mentor what are some good resources a youngster actually can learn from uh, there are a wealth of uh, resources available online wealth of resources available in books wealth of resources available on youtube your podcast is a great uh, <laughs> you know resource to connect with entrepreneurs because you're talking with a lot of people who are doing something out of the ordinary mm. your conversations are with rare conversations and uh, with people who have not walked the normal path that mm. meaning i would not say this is not normal okay people who are uh, walking a path which most people consider different that's yeah, all yeah. unconventional they consider but it's not unconventional mm. really mm. and uh, so the fact is as you listen to more of these kind of stories okay you start to appreciate that there's more to life mm. and there are more options available in front of you than just what you have been focusing on mm. and uh, most people are so narrowed down on one thing and that's not even their decision it's mostly decision of people around them and they're not willing to look beyond so when there is a wealth of resources available around the world okay uh, books audio material podcasts youtube stuff there is so much of knowledge available there yeah. uh, it it takes some time for us to research to understand it and i think this is the current time is really one of the best times ever because there is so much information available it's just a matter of somebody deciding and searching for the truth i think absolutely right so 
meaning there are going to be lots of when you listen to one thing it may be conflicting with mm. another mm. but that's okay you mm. draw your own judgment mm. okay uh, but put some time towards developing yourself in that area there is there are resources available it's is just that you have to look for it mm. maybe if you find somebody who can help you in that direction i think that mentor can help you pick the right choices mm. especially in the initial stage after that you can listen to anything how do you define success what's your definition or your idea of success i don't think i have a definition for success okay really i think i used a lot of times word success in mm. in this conversation that we have had now but success meaning it's nice to say okay uh, the cliche word is success is not a destination it's a journey all these things we can say we say it okay but really honestly i think uh, number one i believe that if i can love myself okay number one if i must be uh, able to love myself and i may be able to respect myself if these two things i can achieve okay i think i'm pretty successful then wow okay is uh, love myself and respect myself okay in these two angles if i look back and uh, put my this avatar movie is there if i take out my avatar and put it there yeah. and uh, look at my avatar and say okay fine i love this guy and i respect this guy then i'm successful forget about everything else okay but if you can get those two things in i think most things will fall into place that's beautiful and i really like that definition i i've not heard that i don't think i've heard that before that's really nice how, how do i want to go deeper and ask how do, how do one love himself or herself like where do we start we know we must love ourselves but how is it really possible to respect and love oneself or over everything else it's is it possible is it is there a method to that or it is something that you have to realize and figure out what what, what is your take on that the take is it's it is a difficult task let's be honest it's a difficult task it's not that easy it's not that i love everything that i do if i look at my avatar and say oh i love this no there are certain areas i don't love okay there are certain areas i don't respect of myself for sure okay meaning nobody is perfect but you can get there you can work towards getting there the way i think is your subconscious plays a big part in that area if you can learn to tell yourself that you're good enough to succeed good enough to become the best person that you are if you can't if you can train your subconscious to believe that you are the best okay there's going to be a lot more it's going to become a lot easier mm. but if your subconscious is speaking a different language and you're trying to speak a different language it's not going to work mm. no matter how hard you try it's not going to work mm. eventually what you put into your subconscious makes a big difference in the way you, where whether you can achieve these two goals mm. of loving yourself and respecting yourself mm. very well very well i want to speak about what have you changed your mind uh, about something in the recent times like you you had an idea for a very long time and now you have a completely different point of view about it meaning are you meaning in terms of business or are you meaning in terms of it could be anything it could be anything it could be life business relationship it could be anything which which you held a very strong belief and now you have a completely different point of view of that meaning i think in business i've never held a strong belief that this is the only way to do certain things mm. i've never been somebody like that i've i've always been okay anything that needs to be changed we need to change mm. okay and i'm very open to change and any new way even if i don't have to research it i'm willing to take a plunge with it mm. okay so it's not that i mean covid has really brought in a drastic change in the way we start to live our lives completely if you think about it number one we are not meeting as many people as we would meet normally right okay people are just far away okay and people are away from you 
the way we connect with people is different we're right. doing it online so i i believe that everything is an opportunity hmm. okay so i don't believe that i'm quick on the gun with these changes that's the way i would put it i don't mind uh, changing anything and i don't mind trying new things with the because my self belief tells me that i can pull it off hmm. if i have doubts that i can't pull it off then it becomes difficult for me to take that first step i think the way i would change things meaning on the business front on digital i think we are doing exceptionally well in terms of connecting on a digital area i think it's a new and an exciting new area that we're coming in uh, so it gives us opportunities for what shall i say a wealth of ideas and new things that can come in yeah. which can challenge the normal mm. and i think the new millionaires of the future are going to be born in this era and i think people will come out with innovative new ideas just because covid came hmm. though covid seems like a negative connotation i think new ideas and new grounds will be broken because of this situation i i really have seen your approach to life in, in general is always solution oriented you ha- you have i have never caught you ever in a moment where you're in you no know, in deep state of worry or anxiety you have always been quick in adapting to changes even even in this covid times i've seen you uh, quickly take on uh, this as a new possibility to expand your business and grow it in a completely new way what advice would you give to people who are entrepreneurs covid has been a very challenging time in terms of business how how can they really make a transition or how can they really deal with these stressful times what would be your advice to them i think being solution oriented like you said is very important see the situation is that we know it is challenging okay let's accept it is challenging there are businesses which don't have customers mm. coming in walking in there are so many challenges that people are facing right now in terms of revenue drop so many things are happening but the key is it's not going to last forever okay this is going to be maybe another year okay but out of this something will come mm. but during this time many of them get into paralysis they get so stuck with their own old routine saying that this is the way i do it and they are so stuck with their own thinking that they are not willing to look at opportunities that are presenting to them right in front of them hmm. and they just overlook it and somebody else will pick it up and move on so you see businesses succeeding and businesses not succeeding in the same era right now in the same situation same businesses the the ones who really move ahead are people who are looking at it as a solution saying that okay fine we are stuck with it i am stuck with it you are stuck with it what can i do differently my um, only take would be that what can go wrong hmm. the worst that can happen is that's the end of the world for you okay <laughs> that's the worst thing that can happen okay covid comes and that's the end of you okay you're not no longer there but beyond that what can be worse there's hmm. nothing else which is worse in between isn't it <laughs> okay meaning uh, what can happen at at the worst okay bidding give it a shot be willing to break new ground give it a shot nothing is going to go wrong that's a very interesting question what's the worst case scenario right if you really start uh, seeing from that lens then you get a different perspective to really approach the situation yeah the worst that can happen to you is covid gets you <laughs> <laughs> and you you come to that like your immunity yeah. is not so good. your business and other things is nothing mm. when it com- comes to that context when you look at it when you have a solution for the worst thing why can't we have a solution for something which is as simple as a simple business uh, approach or a strategy or something if you don't have a strategy right now talk to somebody who could actually help you at least get your thoughts the idea is to bounce it off other people and when you bounce it off other people you know what you're bound to as long as you're willing to receive if you're willing to receive you're going to get some feedback and that feedback can really be valuable to you so most people just clamp up 
just sit and you know wait for things to change instead of which why not just bounce it off people who are actually doing something different mm-hmm. talk to them mm-hmm. and maybe it's a conversation that will open up something else for you i think yeah some great points you mentioned there when we speak about the worst case scenario we we speak about death i i remember having this conversation i think this was maybe a year back now where you mentioned it's important that people actually make their will yeah okay and you said i don't know why people have to wait till last to actually prepare their will why don't they it's important that they prepare will earlier what are your thoughts on that what was what was that made you say that now the reason i say that is meaning making a will is an important thing in life it's it's not that you have to wait till death for you to make something like that and people keep a will as a like a negative connotation meaning i think it's a responsibility towards it's more a responsibility that you have to have towards your family if you don't do it and uh, you leave things you know in a uh, disarray and then you just leave the world meaning you're <laughs> going to cause a lot of confusion and people are not going to be as happy as they could be it doesn't stop uh, meaning uh, just because we write a will most people think that i'm closer closer towards my death but that's not the truth <laughs> right it, it's not the truth the truth is it's far it's death is far away but right. the fact is responsibility is something that you take right now and you you nail it mm. uh, so it's quite simple to do it but most people don't do it i have no idea why people don't do it it's just i think it's maybe it's procrastination or maybe it's just like the fear of writing a will if i write a will oh I, this is my end has come i'm putting a date to my death okay so you would highly encourage people who anyway plan to write a will might as well do it early and uh, plan it effectively absolutely and if you want to change a will you can always do that anytime you want mm-hmm. once you make a will that does not mean it's final you mm. can always edit it and do it there are lawyers who do it for you so you can always change things along the way mm. but the fact is you need to at least do that it's having a driving license you can't drive a car without a driving license why not have a will for your estate that you have developed over over the years what are some uh, bad recommendations uh, you hear people give in life there's a lot of advice which sounds like sound advice but actually it is very bad recommendations just feel free to voice out few that you hear oh wow examples i think it's going to be rather tough to remember something like this right now like for example the idea of conventional education is the only way to really succeed in life and which you really question by taking your son off from a conventional education now he's doing well as an entrepreneur and he's he's uh, successful so the general advice is you must go through a conventional education or schooling okay education is very different from schooling maybe you got to get educated you got to learn few skills in life that is true but conventionally we have been told certain things so any such things which come to your mind yeah if you take arsan ashwin i think he's turned out great uh, that's the way i would put it not just good great meaning i think people would not know that he's uh, not been to school Mm. that's number one when they come across <laughs> they they would if i were to tell them that he's dropped out at fourth standard most people would not uh, be able to even believe it because his communication skills the way he articulates the way he thinks the way he's able to you know convey his ideas are not just the normal if you take a normal kid who's gone through uh, a schooling it's almost like uh, you get horse blinders which are slapped onto you the moment you get on to school and you you hear that all the while isn't it uh, school they, they put something they don't want you to go outside of your bandwidth there are certain schools which allow you to do that mm. but most schools don't allow you to think laterally they just they fine tune you in a certain area academically you need to do only that and then 
forget about the rest of the world mm. okay you can think about the rest after you finish your education <laughs> and sometimes some of the most important life skills are not thought mm. as they grow up and the formative years of a child is so important and that's why i think unconventional thinking and upbringing of a child makes a huge difference i think i know that you are also uh, somebody who subscribes to that idea i i, I know that your child is going through uh, unconventional schooling mm. not the normal schooling true okay so uh, you did that obviously because uh, you're not looking at it like the average guy who looks at okay my son is destined to be an engineer my son is destined to be a doctor and people around that when they have decided that this is the course of action for the child has no choice in between mm. so like i said the the decision making ability of the child has already been removed mm. when they are born they decided okay this is what's <laughs> going to happen and uh, i see so many parents putting so much of stress on children and stifling their ability in various areas mm. but i also see lots of parents now young parents who are actually giving that option mm. for which is a welcome sign absolutely absolutely So sometimes these naysayers are going to be around you and uh, meaning the way I would advise is you're definitely going to get advice from people okay but the final decision lies with you mm. as to how you take it and how you perceive that advice so in my uh, situation I listen to people I hear them out but eventually the call is mine <laughs> okay so I I just decide okay thank you for your advice it's fine I don't even tell them anything I just listen to it and then at the end of it I do what I want to do mm. so in most cases i think you should do it and mm. sometimes people close around you are the ones who give you bad advice mm. because they have they have not grown in the way you think so sometimes there can be a mismatch and that mismatch leads you leads them to giving you advice it's not bad advice i would say it's good in their terms and good in what everybody sees mm. but sometimes you need to go outside of the domain and i think moving out makes a, a greater risk greater reward mm. and i think in our own case i think our son has been a phenomenal if i were to look at him i'm proud of him mm. okay mm. just because of what he has done in his life mm. and he has learned so many life skills which i think many people have not learned because i've seen a lot of people in his age bracket who who have grown up and i'm seeing them today i find there's a vast difference i completely agree with you uh, i have interacted with him and he definitely reflects maturity way beyond his age category i think so that definitely shows unconventional approaches also working really well did you have any doubts in these years as he's growing up that what you decided was not the right thing did you ever have that doubt or did people feed you with that thought and you did you ever feel that what am i doing with my son is the right thing or not really i had no doubt Mm. Okay I had absolutely no doubt and the second thing is since I like I said one of the skills that I need to develop is the rapport uh, thing of building most people don't voice their things to me simply because uh, they consider <laughs> me as uh, so most people even if they have an opinion they tend to keep it to themselves or they speak to other people but they don't come and talk to me about it in all probability they may speak to Vasanta about it because she is very accommodative she listens to them she sort of empathizes with them and all that so there's a sometimes people do voice to her maybe but very rarely people come and talk to me about it because they somehow meaning not that i'm going to react it is just that uh, they feel intimidated uh, in approaching me on that front very rarely i have i ever ever come across and uh, the big surprise for me was i thought my dad would be the biggest critic mm. of this decision because my mom was no more uh, she passed away in 2000 when we actually took kashmin out of school uh, it was beyond that i know my mom would have always supported me because she's always supported me i thought my dad would be 
somebody who's like been in academics and done exceptionally well in his career i thought he would be the one uh, who would uh, give me a negative opinion on this so when my dad came to know about it like i was shocked like he just didn't comment and i thought maybe he's just holding it because he didn't want to intimidate me on that but then when i was having a conversation with him once and i was talking about him and what he would have done and i don't know how the conversation started but eventually he has one big regret in his life he was a phenomenal tennis player hmm. way back in his days in india there was a, this ramesh krishnan and all these vijay brutraj guys those days he was exceptionally good but he didn't have the financial backing of his family uh, to allow him to pursue that so he had to actually take up a career which paid something mm. because his family was not from a well off meaning they're from a very low middle class kind of family so he had to grow up everything he has created everything on his own mm. so uh, he said if i had a choice to go back and relive my life maybe at that time i would have pursued tennis as a career mm. but i didn't primarily because of various circumstances so i was shocked to hear it from my dad Mm. and uh, even though in a career he had achieved the padma shri he has reached the padma shri level but still there is a regret in his life that he could have done something differently mm. the whole life journey mm. not just the end it's the entire life journey itself would have been different so yeah i think th- that's a way it uh, it is so i i didn't have many critics come and tell me things <laughs> and i think you you are a great example of how to really live a very fulfilled life i think I have always felt more inspired every time I've met and I think that's a experience many of the people who have met you feel the same so you're so full of life and you have shown and led by example really how to live a chill out life you have a great time connecting with your son with your wife you've been I come on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning you are in the house chilling out so I think you you have really led by example and shown to the world that it's possible to have an alternative way of living so it is uh, meaning i think uh, it's not me meaning for example when we both have a conversation outside of this podcast yeah <laughs> uh, i think we we can talk things for hours together and you know just spend time and the fact is you learn every time isn't it something or the other you learn but the fact is why be stressed out on things that are not going <laughs> to affect your life in any which way mm. stress is uh, i think 90% of the stress is nothing to do with what's going to happen in your life mm. it's what will potentially happen which will never happen <laughs> so why worry about it okay and uh, if something were to happen it is anyway going to happen okay uh, meaning not that i'm talking like an astrologer i don't believe in that aspect right. of it what i mean is if something like for example in this covid situation there are several people who are so uh, petrified of this the whole thing and uh, living their life as though the world has ended but why okay there is a solution there is everything i know you need to be careful that's being responsible okay but that does not mean to live in fear mm. and many covid is a, a physical fear mm. actually you're seeing something real but sometimes in a mental fear we live with a mental fear throughout our life and at the end of it we live one life and we regret the life that we led what's the point in doing it so just get rid of the mental fear live the life the way you want to be open in talking and saying things if you want to do something do it don't don't just what will other people say okay they are anyway going to say something so who cares or just do what you what you believe in and just live your life <laughs> some great advice and i think we could go on and on we could have a part two maybe someday any any parting thoughts any final message that you want to convey anything final message is you know you have one life okay you really have to get you have your limited time like we say in this one 
Typically, a person has 25,000 days to live in the life. Okay, your life is 25,000 days. Okay, and most of us, if you have turned 40, calculate it. Okay, your 18, 20,000 days is already over. And typically, the last three to 5,000 days, okay, is meaning you may not have the energy to live your life in the last 3,000 days. Okay, maybe 10 years, maybe five years, I don't know, for some people. But the fact is, why waste your 25,000 days? Hmm. Live your life to the fullest. Okay, and uh, I think listen to podcasts like yours. <laughs> okay, because really, honestly, I think when, when you listen to stories of people, that's what's inspiring. Not teaching stuff doesn't inspire people. Hmm. Stories of people inspire people. Listen to lots of successful stories of how people really made it big and how people lived their life. Meaning, not just in terms of finances, in terms of various other things. Right. Area of influence or whatever. But the fact is, invest your time in that area, not just invest your time in the mundane activities of life. And uh, live your life to the fullest. Enjoy your life. That's the way I would put it. Enjoy your life. Thank you, Anand. This has been a great conversation. If people want to find more about you, where can they find you? Where can they find me? Or maybe through you. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> Anand is not very active on social world at the moment. But yeah, I think you are you're big in the you know, health and wellness space. You're working yes. with a lot of people. So I, I may put an Insta handle where people can find you yeah, and your sure. work. And if we will have any uh, specific coordinates for uh, sharing for Anand, I'll, I'll have it in the show notes. So that was it, Anand. So thank you so much for joining the show. I hope uh, you had fun too. Thank you for having me on this show. And I think it's been a great journey. And uh, not just uh, the, this journey of this podcast, but the journey of being friends Absolutely. for so many years now. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you, Anand. Thank, thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed the show. All the key points discussed will be available in the show notes section at www.rareearth.com. That is R-A-R-E-E-R-T-H.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you really enjoyed, please do give me your feedback, review and rate on iTunes or any listening app of your choice. Do subscribe and share. Thank you. Thank you.